Welcome to the Migraine Miracle Moment. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Turknet. I'm a neurologist, migraine specialist, migraine sufferer, and author of the book, The Migraine Miracle. In this podcast, you'll learn all about how to find your path to migraine freedom without pills. Let's get started. Okay, welcome again to the Migraine Miracle Moment. In today's episode, I'll be answering two questions from our recent clinic chat live discussion. The first question is about cured meats like salami, pastrami, prosciutto, bacon, and whether they pose any potential issues for those with migraines. And the second involves the issue of sunlight as a migraine trigger, whether the evidence supports it and what to do about it. Again, this is an excerpt from our recent clinic chat live discussion for Migraine Neverland members. We found that these question and answer episodes are especially popular, so these will be our main format for the podcast going forward. If you're interested in taking part in these live sessions, as well as being able to submit questions for the sessions, then you can learn more about becoming a member at MyMigraineMiracle.com, along with being able to attend all of our clinic chat lives. There's a whole host of resources there for helping you put the Migraine Miracle program into action to slay the beast once and for all. And now, without further delay, here's the episode. All right, so the first one comes from Joseph, who said, I have a question about cured meats. They're not a staple of my diet, but I do like uh, salami, etc. on occasion and always look to buy the highest quality that I can. Recently, I've noticed that in the ingredient list, many cured meats says that it has less than 2% sugar or dextrose, but there there are no added sugars or carbohydrates. I imagine the sugar or dextrose is involved in the curing process. Is this minimal amount of sugar? Anything to be concerned about from a migraine standpoint? So um, yes, there are, you will find, sugar as an ingredient sometimes in cured meats. And um, it is, a, I think, a good idea where possible is somewhere, some uh, an area where it makes sense to kind of buy the higher end stuff rather than the mass produced things, more likely to use traditional techniques and so forth. Um, but if you find sugar in the ingredients list, um, my understanding it's used uh, sometimes to cut the saltiness. Um, so. Uh, salt is used typically in the curing process to draw out the water, and um, sugar helps to mitigate that a little bit. Um, it also apparently is used to to feed some of the uh, flavor-producing bacteria in cured meats. Um, so, but as you say, the amount there is usually pretty negligible, um, and since the meat itself is essentially zero carb, um, there's probably still less sugar. Um, in some in a cured meat that has sugar than you'd probably find in most fruits and vegetables. So I don't think, um, it's not something that I'm too worried about in terms of um, that particular issue. I do think overall it's probably a, you know one of those um, foods to, to not, as you mentioned already, not be a staple, but something to kind of consume periodically in moderation. Um, and probably the, the issue to be more mindful here which we've talked about uh, in the past, is uh, histamine content. Um, so a, a few months ago, uh, I did a, cl- a clinic check presentation on the topic of histamine 
and migraines and preserved meats are typically going to be higher in histamine. So if you have any level of sensitivity to that, it could provoke a reaction, um, which is something that could can move you closer to the migraine threshold. And in that talk, I talked about um, one of the ways to mitigate the risk of excess histamine, uh, particularly uh, when you're ingesting a food that may have it uh, have higher levels, is to take is the enzyme DAO, which you can get in isolated form, but is also found in kidney. So either eating kidney um, or um, taking the desiccated uh, kidney supplement, um, which I do from, I talked about there, from um, ancestral supplements. So I've actually been doing that regularly um, since that time, and uh, uh, it's something I uh, intend to continue doing um, So to, to help mitigate in, uh, against any potential um, histamine in the, in the foods that, that I'm eating. Uh, but it's something I would particularly do, you know, before I'm going to down a plate of, of salami or something like that. So um, I've typically just taken two of them before meals, and um, that seems to have worked well. Um, and I plan to continue to do that. Uh, there's a there's a tea that I sometimes drink that I um, will notice sometimes having a mild histamine reaction to afterwards. Um, I only notice that when I forget to take the histamine or the um, kidney supplement prior to it. So it seems. Uh, so far to be working well for that particular purpose. Um, so at any rate, if you haven't seen that um, video, I think it'd be also helpful to watch that one. Um, partly so that you can develop an awareness for when you might having might be having a histamine reaction. Um, I think it's one of those things where in retrospect, you might realize it's something that was happening periodically in certain situations that you you didn't you know, know what it was coming from. Next question was from Marissa. Um, I find that I go through phases lasting about a week when I'm highly sensitive to bright sun and the flicker it makes when you're taking a walk and the light switches from being really bright to shade and then back to brightness because of trees or an awning. Uh, it almost feels like a strobe effect when I'm in, in these periods and I can feel my head starting to hurt usually pretty quickly during these phases. Uh, I wear a big sun hat and good sunglasses, but is there more I can do? or avoid doing to manage this issue. Um, so this is another um, challenging topic, partly because there's little to no research to, to go on. There are studies that um, support the sun as being a triggering factor in a subset of people with migraines. Um, so there was one study looking at women living in the Arctic, um, where you have long periods of dark and long periods of light. And overall, what they found was that there was um, no difference between the um, incidence of attacks of migraines in the dark time versus the light time. But they um, then looked at a subset of people in that population who identified as being sun sensitive and found that um, those people, in fact, were more likely to experience a migraine on the sunny days or the light times. And interestingly, they also concluded, based on their study, um, that they did not find connections between the weather, or between migraines and other uh, weather factors, and um, labeled them as, quote, dubious. 
Um, some people may have heard the episode, the podcast I did on looking at the research and the connection between weather and migraines and barometric pressure. And I discussed there that the consensus, at least from the research community at this point, is that there's not uh, evidence to support a connection. And a lot of people don't didn't like that. Um, which I'm just reporting what the what the um, current consensus is there. But one of the one of the problems with that is the um, that I discussed in that episode is the you have the issue of the nocebo effect. So it's a tricky thing to know how to handle um, because once you kind of popularize any particular idea as having a link to migraine or any other sort of negative side effects, so the nocebo effect being when you expect a, a you know a negative outcome, it makes that more likely to happen, which is the inverse of the placebo effect. But you know, so the, so it's just popularizing any idea, including you know that changes in weather or weather fronts would make migraines more likely. Um, will make that more likely to, to occur. So it's especially tricky to know how to handle an issue like that, especially when it's something you have that people have no control over. Um, I still, you know, like many, think there probably is a connection in a subset of people. Um, but at any rate, for that particular, the weather stuff, um, the consensus is, is no. But back again to the, to the original uh, issue of sunlight, and again, there's data suggesting um, that that, in fact, may be an issue for at least a subset of people. Um, but that's kind of talking about sunlight generally, um, not any specific sort of uh, factors about uh, the, the sunlight itself or um, the way it's hitting the eye or whatever. And as you mentioned in your um, question, the, your issue is a little bit more specific, typically involving sunlight of a certain kind Kind of coming in peripherally and intermittently and creating a flickering or a strobe type effect. And I know my mom, who I think is here, um, had this particular issue uh, when I was growing up, uh, particularly in the car uh, when sun was coming in from the side and so flickering through the trees. And it seemed to be a pretty consistent trigger for her. And she actually used, uh, we had shades on this on our car windows that could be pulled down um, which i think definitely helped um but i don't know if anybody's ever formally researched this particular issue again it's a hard thing to try to study um but i definitely think there's something to it um and i suspect it's linked to the same mechanisms uh, uh as screen flicker which we've talked about before so the flicker from a, a monitor particularly at certain frequencies seems to be a trigger for some folks and that um, you know, there are multiple case reports um, of that particular issue. And so it's our peripheral vision that's good at detecting flicker. Um, so likely light that's coming in from, from the periphery rather than directly, that's the culprit in these particular situations. Um, and it may be that for whatever reason, um, when certain areas of our visual cortex are, are receiving a flicker input at a certain rate, it creates the conditions for the generation of a migraine. So um, time of day probably makes a big difference here. So it's going to be a lot better, less likely to happen when the sun is directly overhead. Um, but in terms of, you know, when you're in those conditions and what to do about it, um, I would definitely try using glasses that um, either filter or fully block out the light coming in from the sides um, in those situations. And so that should you know, prevent the part of the brain that's detecting the flickering um, from receiving that input, um, which should prevent um, that factor from triggering a migraine. 
Um, and as I always try to note, uh, your vulnerability to such things will typically improve the longer you've been on the program. So you know the longer term solution um, would be to stick with it. And you may find that ultimately this sort of thing is no longer the issue that it once was. And I mentioned my mom having this uh, issue, but she's been on the program for uh, several years now. Knock on wood, been doing very well. And as far as I know, hasn't been bothered by uh, flickering sunlight or hasn't had them provoke a, a migraine for a while. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Miracle Moment. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your podcast player of choice. And if you know any fellow migraine sufferers, please feel free to share it with them as well. And now it's time to go out and slay the beast. Mm-hmm.